really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking jog, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast. <laughs> My name is Sean Walchef, Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are here above the butcher shop, Valley Farm Market, with uh, my man Derek Marceau. What's happening? Same old, same old. Same um, old, same old. Except for we got some new fucking pictures up. That's pretty rad. We did. We got. Uh, we have a little character in our podcast studio. Uh, we got these mixed tiles. They've been uh, hounding me on Instagram and on Facebook, and I said, fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead and try it out and... I think uh, I think we're on our way. We're gonna do uh, a photo with every guest, and then uh, maybe get them to sign it, and you know, kind of commemorate our barbecue journey um, with this podcast. No, I think it's really cool. I mean, you came up with the idea. I didn't even know about it. You didn't even know about it. Yeah, no, I, didn't. I didn't run it by you because I didn't. didn't run, I didn't want any resistance. I didn't want any resistance. <laughs> I don't like fucking resistance. Yeah, um, shit. But we do. Uh, we do want to send our love and our prayers up to um, our dear friends, um, the Gill family. Um, it's been a tough, tough week. Uh, one of our podcast guests, for those of you that did listen, uh, we were so fortunate to record on the stage up at Del Mar Thoroughbred Club uh, the night before the Del Mar Barbecue State Championship with Randy Gill, um, who had terminal cancer and he, uh, he passed away on Monday and, uh, our thoughts and our prayers are with his family, um, his son, Randy Jr. Um, you know, to be given that smoker to Gene and to you and to me to continue to do our charity work. Uh, for those of you that didn't listen to the episode, I highly encourage you to go back and listen, but, um, the man, he is what we all aspire to be and to live his life the way that he did. Um, we were just so privileged to spend that time with him and we're going to continue, uh, continue his legacy. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where you, you hear it and you, you kind of know it's going to happen, but nothing can prepare you for that phone call when you, when you get it. And, you know, we, we knew Randy was sick. Um, we've known Randy for a while and everything that he's done in, in the barbecue world and, giving back to charities is what we aspire to be and to, you know, try to fulfill his legacy and kind of do those things. Um, it's been eye-opening, and uh, I hope that uh, we can just, you know, do our part and, yeah. and continue to, to do those things because that's what's most important. It's, it's not about us, and it's not necessarily just about Randy either. It's just about all of us coming together and, and giving back to uh, – those charities and people that are are in need and um yeah randy jr is going to come down for our for november, Valley. november 5th one and he's gonna come down and kind of help, help out and just do what his dad always did because randy jr does that as well um but yeah like i said as much as we knew it was going to happen we still had that hope that you know maybe he could get the his chemo and some miracle would happen um you know, they gave him a couple months, and it only took a month. Yeah, well, for those of you that haven't listened to it, I, I do highly encourage to go back and uh, take a listen to that Randy Gill episode. Um, it was a very special time to, to spend with someone that 
like Derek said, charity is giving money to charity is one thing and philanthropy is another thing when you're actually out there putting the work in um, and doing everything you can to, to make the world a better place. And that's how he lived his life. And that's how we're going to continue to remember him. Um, we also do want to send our thoughts out to Gene who, uh, who had open heart surgery. I know he likes to keep things stubborn uh, fucker the guy's so fucking stubborn <laughs> uh that's why we love him so much uh, he he just he wouldn't tell anyone about it um i think he had trouble even telling his brother about it um he kind of keeps everything as low-key as possible but uh there were some amazing amazing people down at uh at sharp um down at sharp chula vista heck yeah we brought him barbecue we brought him barbecue to all the nurses that took care of gene we appreciate that uh he's recovering um and i know if he could be working uh, the day after he would be, but um, we told him that we need him to rest because uh, it's a marathon and not a sprint. So our thoughts are out there with Gene, um, with the Gill family, uh, and to go to a, a lighter note, um, we, we've got we've got fight fight night, we've got fight weekend coming up. It's uh, it's that time. It's that time. We're we're already one one week into the NFL season, and we are uh, fight night is upon us. And uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast, uh, we started this podcast because we want to to talk about barbecue. We wanted to talk about marketing. We want to talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, we want to talk about all the fun voicemails that you get as a business owner. Um, it's always great to see our guests' reaction, uh, Ernie Hahn's reaction last week and Jeff this week. Uh, pretty fantastic. But um, Jeff Dotseth has been the voice in San Diego, um, him along with Scott Kaplan. They've been on the airwaves keeping sports uh, fans entertained um, for a couple decades now. And uh, we find it so fortunate to call you a friend, to be part of the Fight Night crew with Jim Trotter and C.S. Keys. Um you know, I, I give Derek shit all the time about being on Twitter and telling everyone that they need to be on Twitter and they need to, you know, promote their brand and uh, to be active and to be engaged. And if it wasn't for a couple tweets that you and I exchanged ah. when you had your uh, your morning show with uh, with Dave Palais, uh, we wouldn't have the the friendships that we have. And you know, Jim Trotter, he he stopped by for lunch today at the restaurant and nice. spent spent lunch with uh, Derek and myself uh, after after a little golf game and. What? Um, but here we are. Welcome, Jeff. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Can I just say one thing quick, Sean? And, and whatever you guys want to cover, I will. But I don't know the Gill family, but it's funny. I spent a lot of time riding motorcycles. And I used to always joke with my buddies that guys that rode motorcycles, we considered ourselves in a silent fraternity. And my buddies that didn't ride bikes were like, shut up. And I was like, <laughs> there is. There is a sure. silent fraternity amongst bike owners well unfortunately i kind of feel like that silent fraternity has now changed to people that have been affected by cancer i lost my best friend a year ago to cancer i lost another great friend and and you've seen it and so when you talk about the gill family who i don't know i'm telling you guys those feelings come back immediately so just for me and my family to their family please accept my heartfelt condolences I've been there. I know what that pain feels like, and it's miserable. He sounds like a wonderful guy. I'm sorry I never had the opportunity to meet him, but I hope I get the chance to meet Junior because, man, it all comes back, and you yeah. get it, and you, you know it, and uh, and I'm extremely sorry for your loss, but I really appreciate you guys having me in. Well, we appreciate having you in because 
I mean, no one can give us better perspective. We just started doing this podcast. This is our 20th episode, and we're so fortunate to have amazing fans that are listening all over the world. Yeah, it's great, what, right? To what's happening here, you know, in San Diego with the barbecue scene. And, you know, for Derek and I, you know, him being a third generation butcher, me running the barbecue restaurant, we've been so fortunate to have just incredible people on this podcast. And, you know, people like you that have spent your life in media mm -hmm. that get to actually relate with with listeners and get to talk through things and i mean tell tell us about some of the some of the cool shit that you've been able to cover in your uh your last 20 years in in sports media yeah i grew up here so that was the really cool thing the unique thing is i mean i got here when i was a 13 year old kid in cardiff but went to san Diego, grew up in this area saw the whole thing and it's very very rare in media in a market like this, a top 20 market where you've never been on the air and you go in your hometown. I never had to go to Bakersfield. I didn't have to go to Fresno or Montana. Well, before we, before we get there, I, I, I saw your LinkedIn profile, casino management. Yeah. Well, that, so you went to school for <clears throat> casino management at San Diego state. Okay. Right yeah. On. I went back because I knew how uh, crazy sports radio was. Mm -hmm. And state had a casino management program. So, really? yeah, it was just a two-year. Okay. But uh, I loved it. It was great. Until I found out that because I wasn't born on sovereign soil, I had no chance <laughs> of ever getting a job there. They didn't tell me that until after they cashed my check. But at least I can put state on my... sponsored by Saquon. <laughs> yeah. All those Running guys. God, it was great. The money that ran, runs through those casinos. Isn't it crazy? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's but, unreal. But... Um, it's real funny, and you know, you talked about it, uh, the friends you know. It, it started for me at Del Mar. It started for me at Del wow. Mar. Del Mar is a really That's special crazy. place to me. When I was 17 years old, I may have only been 16, I got a job slinging tip sheets out front. Wow. So yeah. there were three old school, car I mean, legit old school <laughs> carny dudes that yeah. traveled the circuit. Yeah, Bob. And right. they had, oh, Bob. And then we had this other dude. His name was Jake. And he would say, no cards better than the other, Ernie's. And people were like, what? And he would always try to hit me up. He'd say, you should go down to North Park and get breakfast at the Hare Krishna restaurant. Because he'd say, when you get past their sales pitch, they have the breast Best fried potatoes in San Diego. Get the fuck out of I'm here. I'm 16 years old. And I'm like, Derek, it was the greatest. I soaked it all in. But a buddy of mine from high school who now is fighting his own battle would come out and we would go out to the infield. I always say to people, if you go to Del Mar, the greatest vantage point is to go as far north in the infield as you can get, especially on a turf race, because... Mm -hmm. The silks have changed. In those days, they were nylon, windbreaker types, and you would hear them snapping as they came the turn, and you would hear Pat Fallon's way, look, get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what a perspective. And me and my buddy Joel Rotz would sit out there, and he said to me, you got to get into radio. And I was like, shit, man, you might, I might as well be an astronaut. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> But he persisted. He stayed on it. He stayed on it. And Why? So, just because you were fucking around all the time? or He just believed in me, man. That's awesome. He legitimately believed in me when I was 16 years old. And he, he's not some old soul. This dipshit right? was 17, 18. Yeah. Um, but an incredibly successful guy of his own. So from there, it's just where you start connecting the dots and you start making phone calls and you grind. 
Mm-hmm. And I grinded, and I got a job as an intern with the Soccers. Okay. And didn't miss a game in two years. Drove a motorcycle every night from Cardiff to San Diego in the rain, whatever it took. Showed sport, up, sports arena. Not the sports arena. What, what year? Showed, uh, 89, 90, so right before, right before Ernie got there. Yeah. Ernie yeah. got there in 91, he said. Yep. 89, yep. 90, 90, 91. And I wow. met Ernie shortly after that. So oh, you got to hear Ernie's podcast. Oh, I will. Oh, the, he's the, one of my favorite <laughs> oh, guys. Fantastic. Um, There's some good stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, he's great. That was when him, the blowjobs were still oh, going on with oh, the... Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah y'all, y'all, okay. blowjobs for tickets. <laughs> listen, listen to that. I will go. <laughs> Shit, I may just end this one short. <laughs> Claim uh, the flu, yeah. but but it's the thing, Sean, that I always tell people, and I guarantee you, it applies in this world too. You you have to figure out either I'm going to go for it because nobody's just going to come open up this door. Excuse me, and go. You know what, guys. We need you to take your podcast to New York City. You, right. If you want to do it in New York, you better figure out a way to do it. Get your ass there. Right? And yeah. so I started grinding the phones and writing letters. I spent two years with the Soccers. I still think I was the only intern in that team's whatever year history to get two championship rings. That's, yeah. They liked me, and Ron Fowler, of all people, wow. gave me two rings. Um, An intern and, getting a ring, that's fucking great. Yeah, I got two of them. That's great. Which... And, I, and the crazy thing was, I always knew at that point that those were going to go to my sons, and my sons didn't show up till I was 40 years old. I was a mm-hmm. kid, but I always wanted to, because in the back of my mind, I'm That's like, crazy. I'm going to have boys, and my these rings are going to, I'm just the gatekeeper until they get them, and now it worked out. But um, I got a job at a radio station called KSDO, and they put me on the board. And I always say to people, if you ever saw Frazier... It's what Roz was doing. And you're, goddamn, I'm going to try to stop knocking your windscreen over. <laughs> I had never been in a radio studio in my life. I had two days of training and they say, go. So now <laughs> I'm controlling everything. How old were you? Uh, God dang, uh, 20, 23. But you knew you wanted to be in radio. I knew I wanted to in be in sports radio. radio or just radio? I, actually, I wanted to be on the FM okay. because our FM was KCLX. And the guy who had the biggest influence on me in my career was a guy named John Leslie, the late John Leslie, who was on KGBN on KCLX. And I would go and pull CDs for John and just watch him work. I always wanted to be on the FM, but I worked on the AM. And and this is my radio story that I tell everybody, and I'll, I'll try to keep it quick. I worked with a guy named Ken Kramer, who you see do about San Diego on KPBS. Ken was the only liberal voice on a radio station that had Rush Limbaugh, Roger Hedgecock. You get it. Um, so every radio station has a nine-second delay. So if somebody cusses, you have the ability to hit what they call a dump button. And that dump button erases the last nine seconds, and it never goes out over the air. Well, my boss hated... The dump button, because he said, it screws up the conversation, don't do it. What he believed in which was the other alternative, which is a tone button. And the tone button, you have to change from live to delay. You have to wait to hear exactly what's coming across, and you have to have perfect timing and tone out the cuss word. That was, <laughs> Good luck. Right? Good fucking luck. So guys would call Ken Kramer's show. And they would say, hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm fine. And I would fucking tune out. 
<laughs> and be looking around or whatever. And the next thing you know, you would hear, you know what, Kramer, you fucking liberal. And now I panic. Jesus. Right. Jesus. So I got to pull this guy down. And now I go to lot to air. And I'm just guessing. So I'm like, go. Well, what happened probably 25 times. On your Saturday and Sunday afternoon drive around San Diego, as you'd hear Kramer, you fucking liberal. <laughs> and uh, that, that sounds like great radio. I, <laughs> I would listen to that. Yeah, yeah. I well, would listen to that. That would I be think, fucking fantastic. Yeah, I think people figured it out. And so Ken Kramer, who's the nicest guy in the world, would always say to me, softly on the talkback mic, uh, Jeff, did we get that? And I'd always give him the thumbs up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. But in the studio where oh, I was, fuck. we did news updates too. So the phone wouldn't ring. It was a strobe light right over my left shoulder. <laughs> and this strobe light would go bang, bang. And I'd be like, shit. Uh, studio. And my boss had the funniest games. Jeff Kelly. Oh, hey, Kel. How's it going? Well... All of San Diego knows Ken's a fucking liberal. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, what are you, you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you missed that one, buddy. You missed that. And so somehow, how the fuck did you get? How did you get no from idea. there? How'd you how'd you keep your job? So they asked me to fill in on Roger Hedgecock's show. Hedgecock was the biggest prick to everybody in that radio station. They hated him, but I'm the weekend guy that just. Fuck it tells everybody. You're just doing whatever the fuck you can. Right. You're just getting your feet wet. and However I can learn, just fucking do it. That's it. So I go in to fill in on the Hedgecock show. And it was old school radio. You'd break at 15, 30, 45 in the top. Uh, it's, it's all hand signals. And if, you're, if you can visualize, if you're taking your two hands like you're breaking a stick in half, and then ditch your left hand. And just take that right hand like you're breaking it. You're just shaking that fist and you're going boom. So I'm doing the first day with Hedgecock. Doesn't say jack shit to me when he walks in. Doesn't say shit to me. So he's going on his topic and it gets to be about 15. And I make eye contact with him and I just give him one. I don't do it five times or three. I just look at him and I one. And I put my hand down. And he keeps talking. And I keep looking at him. <laughs> And he keeps talking, and I keep looking at him. And at about 19, he goes to me, do I need to take a break? And I go, yeah. He goes, all right, we'll take a break. And he, and he said to me, the first thing he said to me is, how come you weren't doing this with your hand at me? How come you weren't doing that? <laughs> and I said, well, you're here every day. I'm not. And I said, plus I liked what you were saying. And he's like, oh. So now... Show ends. I go home on my shitty motorcycle. And my boss calls me. Hey, what happened on that uh, Hedgecock show? I'm like, Jesus Christ, what? I didn't do anything. I go, I don't know. He goes, well, uh, you're his guy. Every day starting tomorrow. Get the fuck out of here. No way. Yeah, he goes, you're his guy. And the really? guy who did it got bumped to overnights. And the last oh, time I saw fuck. that fucking guy, <laughs> he was giving out samples at Costco. True story. Get the fuck out of here. So Hedgecock, to me, was such a good dude. And in this story, I will always remember. Um, Roger used to bring everybody in that was in for running for political office. And at this time, we had about five or six guys that were running for mayor. 
And in a small studio, kind of like this, if we had six mics running right now, you get a lot of crossfeed. And so I'm watching it, and I'm riding mics. One up, one down, one up, one down, watching Roger, watching eyes, boom. And you're just, you're, you're watching it. My program director, who, by the way, has never been on the air to this day, and I have no respect for her because until you've fucking done it, fuck off. Sure. She comes in and she starts giving me shit because I had missed a feed for a show that runs at 2 in the morning on a radio station that had a 3,500-watt signal. Get the fuck out of here. 3,500-watt <laughs> signal. I said to her, I got it. I know ABC. I'll get a refeed. I can't do it now. She keeps bitching at me. I'm making seven twenty-five an hour. <laughs> and I said, she pissed me off so much that I just said, you know what? That's it. And I, I went in to my boss, Kelly Wheeler, still a buddy of mine to this day. And I took my gate card, which was like a credit card, and I just fucking flinged it at him. And I said, you know what? I fucking quit. I go, fuck that. I'm not, true story. I'm not putting up with this shit. I walked down, and here's Hedgecock walking to his cherry red Mustang. And I said, <laughs> I said, hey, man, I just wanted to thank you for everything you did for me. I've had an incredible time. And I appreciate the experience. And he's like, what? And I explained to him what happened. And he goes, oh, okay. I go home. And about three hours later, my phone rings to Thursday night. My boss, Kelly. And he said, hey. I go, hi. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? He goes, are you coming back? And I go, yeah. And he goes, he goes, all right, take tomorrow off. I'll pay for tomorrow. And he goes, you're back Monday. And I go, yeah. And so Monday I show up and I go into my studio. Hedgecock walks by and uh, he goes and sits down and he just puts on the mic. He goes, you good? I go, yeah. And we just did the show. Nothing else was ever said. But what I heard later on from two different people is Roger went in and raised hell on my behalf. That's right. And rad. said, That's don't rad. ever fucking go in his studio again. Leave him the fuck alone. And you better fucking get him back here or we're going to have problems. Yeah. And I said to my boss, I go, it's not about money. I'm trying to make that show sound good. Let me do it. Um, and Roger respected that. He saw that in you. Yeah. Like, you're the first person that actually yeah. fucking got it. Yeah. And now, yeah, because he would talk about <laughs> Susan Golding, and I would go and scramble and find the Everly Brothers and go to break with Wake Up Little Susie. Yeah. There you and go. And he would be like... He would fucking love it. He totally dig it. it. Yeah. And uh, Willie Brown was the governor at that time, or, or was doing something, was the mayor of San Francisco. And I would always play uh, Little Willie, Willie Won't Go Home. I'd find all this different shit to just kind of go to break with to see if he would get it. Uh, talk Going back to the Gill family, we had a woman come in named Nicole Pearson who did traffic forever. And she started doing traffic at KSDO. She and I hit it off immediately. She calls KFMB and says to a guy over there, KFMB goes, we got a fucking guy here that they're not using, and you got to get this guy in your building. KFMB calls me and said, we want you to produce Padre Baseball. And I go, shit, man, I'm having fun on Roger's show. And I went to Hedgecock. Now, people hate him in this town, but I'll tell you this, true story. I went to Roger, and I said, 
I've been offered this gig at KFMB, and I don't know what to do. And he said, if you don't take that job, I'm going to fire you, so you have to take it. <laughs> so he goes, it's wow. one or the other. He That's sounds like my kind of man. Right, Derek? And, no and fucking bullshit. No, no bullshit. Filter. No filter. He, no fucking bullshit. He would have... Guys like fucking... Because he'll be loyal to you forever. The great, And I'm loyal back Absolutely. to him. Absolutely. Well, loyal earned, back to him. He, you earn that from him. I, I sure hope yeah. so. Well, he wouldn't stick up... He's the kind of person that's... I don't even know who he is, but he sounds like... You know, well, he was the former mayor to... of San Diego. Yeah, he was the former mayor of San Diego. He was Rush Limbaugh's main fill-in guy for years. A very, very difficult reputation. But if you were committed to making the show sound good, and he knew I had his back, but but he just he had mine. And there were late nights downtown that we had fun on. And yeah, uh, sure. out of my love uh, and respect for him, I won't say <laughs> another word about it. But um. But I, I just, I respect him to this day, what he did for me. And it, that opened the door for me at KFMB, and the rest uh, and the worked KFNB, out pretty well. How did, how did you and Dave meet? How That's what's that, really how funny. That, how did um, that come about? I was at KFMB. I got hired as a producer. So I produced uh, Padre Talk. And had you ever been a producer before? No. Yeah. Nope. Had never done it. And the guy um, who had been there before me was booking guys like the uh, the financial director of the city of Peoria. To talk about the financial really? impact. Of yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. And I worked for Hank Bauer. Nice. And, uh, oh. Hank right. and I, Hank and I butted heads so much early on because I was coming from a point where it was like, we, we got to know who we are. And Hank just would drive home the point every day. Think big. Think big. We can win at this. Think big. And we go back and I, I fucking love Bauer so much because he, he made me think big. And when he did, our show got pretty good. But my favorite night with Hank is uh, Hank had Hank is a hustler in the greatest sense of the word. You don't, like Kaplan you, you, is. You don't. <laughs> the thing I love about football is special teams because no one wants to fucking play on Dude. special teams. But the people that excel on special teams, like a the Hank man. Bauer the or, man. A, or a Kasim Osgood, they right. make their fucking name on special teams because they do everything that no one else is willing to do. That's it. They'll go there, the, the wedge buster. I'll go fucking, I mean, yeah. you, you knew fucking crazy people at K-State. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. But there, how many coaches did you have that kicked you in the balls and you didn't go home and cry about it? You were just like, it's fucking a Tuesday. I, I, I listen to people tell stories now. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I literally tell them, kind of like out of res out of respect for my coaches, I won't even tell you what my coaches used to yeah. do to, to us. But never a day did I ever feel that it, like this is just what we did, and that's why you can tell guys that have never either a played sports or been the 24th guy on the bench, right? We're like, dude, that's Tuesday. Right? That's yeah. been Tuesday dude. since we we're in ninth grade. Stop getting your feelings hurt. Stop being a pussy. Yeah. Stop right. When they're, the when, they're, when they're telling me these stories, I'm like, that's like, like the best compliment my coach could have ever right? give me. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like <laughs> the nicest yeah. thing I've ever heard. And right? that's why Hank and I would go round and round and round. But we always knew that we both wanted to win. I never, I never was offended by it. I'd yell at him. He'd yell at me. Guys, he would yell at would fucking not come into work for three weeks. Yeah. So my my favorite story with Hank was Hank grinded and made relationships and friendships. And he made a friendship at TaylorMade with a dude named Steve Mata. And Steve Mata, yeah, Steve's been around forever. So Steve would get us different golfers on the show, and they would show up every Wednesday night at TaylorMade report that Hank single-handedly put together. So Hank in 96, okay, think about the time frame, 96. 
starts promoting the fact that in two weeks, we're going to have Tiger Woods on the show. <laughs> Next Wednesday, we're going to have Tiger Woods on the Fuck show. Fuck yeah. Wednesday shows up, and it's the day of the Heaven's Gate Massacre. Holy shit. And our Holy bo- fucking shit. And our boss, Cliff Albert, Hank rolls in like he always did, carrying a stack three feet high of papers and all <laughs> kinds of shit. Hank rolls in at 5 o'clock, and Cliff Albert says to us, uh, no show tonight, guys. And Hank goes, we got fucking Tiger Woods <laughs> in 96, guys. Remember? Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Hank knew that this guy, and we knew, like, this guy's going to be legit. He's right. going to be special. Uh, no, no, guys, no show. This is a big story. And Hank fucking goes, Haley's comment. Yeah. <laughs> Hank says to Cliff Albert, Jesus Christ, Cliff, they're still going to be fucking dead in two hours. I got Tiger Woods. <laughs> So Hank goes into his uh, studio. I'm in my studio. And we sit there. And all of a sudden, the hotline starts ringing. <laughs> Hank keeps his room dark. I keep my room dark. It's just fucking blinking. And I go, shit. And I answer it. And he said, uh, hey, Tiger Woods. And I go, hey, Tiger. <laughs> uh, I said, maybe you heard there was the Heaven's Gate massacre. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, hang on. I'm going to let you talk to Hank. So Hank's like, look, you know, we'd love to do this and everything else, but we got this Heaven's Gate massacre. And, and you couldn't record remotely at that time. Where no, like, we could. Oh, you we could? We could. Oh, We're fuck. Just, that's the fucking worst thing, <laughs> oh, Sean. Oh, fuck. I never mentioned it to Hank. Jesus. Um, You're like, oh, fuck. Well, let's just do the a, interview now, and we'll record it and play it fucking later. We could have done the whole thing. Oh, fuck. But in the moment, you're not yeah, in thinking the mo- it. Yeah, in the moment, you're like, we just yeah. fucking blew it. We yeah, just blew completely it. different time. Oh, shit. And, uh, and Tiger Woods <laughs> said to Hank, don't worry about it. We'll do it a different night. And Hank and I still stay in contact. And I always say, <laughs> "Yeah, Tiger call back in? No, shit. I'm like, okay, he calls back. Yeah. Let me know. But um, <laughs> we had kind of gone as far as we could go with that show. And, uh, and I just kind of had hit the wall. And um, I just was done. Uh, Kevin Kernan had done the show from New York with with Hank. He went back to the New York Post, and guys that came in just fucking kissed Hank's ass. They got rid of my board up, so I was going to have to produce and run the board. I didn't want to go back to running the board. I just said, fuck, I'm done. But uh, uh, really, the guys that made it happen were Jagger and Christie. Yeah. Jagger and Christie, of all people at 92.5, saw something in me when I didn't ever have any intention of being on the air. And they would put me on Star 100.7, Twice a week to really? talk sports. Uh, Mark Jagger and, and his wife. And a guy named Tracy Johnson, I said, look, I'm done. He goes, all right. He goes, let me ask you something. You ever want to go on the air? I don't know. I never really thought of it. He goes, no, man, I'm, I'm putting you on the air, and I'm putting you on the air with Palais. Palais had only been our Laker reporter. I barely knew him. And so August of 98, August 1st, 98, will be 20 years next summer. They put us on the air at Chargers Fan Fest. We do our first show in front of a crowd of 5,000 people. There are 5,000 people watching two guys that barely know each other that have never been on the air. Wow. And our first guest was Ryan Leaf. Our second guest was Kevin Gilbride. Ryan Leaf and Kevin Gilbride? Holy shit. But what what makes that show work that people don't understand is at the start of that show, Dave owned it. So Dave owned it. He would come out to Cali Comfort, try to sell advertising, and he'd come out to Valley Market and try to sell advertising. And then he would pay me out of that. And 
we were fucking broke. <laughs> he borrowed $700 from his sister so I could pay my wow. rent. Wow. So when you're the only two fucking guys that believe in the show, you're fucking broke. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're loyal to each other. Sure, and yeah. there was a guy, a sales guy. We did commercials for Dixon Ford. And there was a sales guy from KFMB. Like, KFMB gave us a list of, it had to be a thousand businesses that they either advertised with or were thinking of advertising with that we couldn't talk to. So there were a couple of guys uh, that were on there that we got that kept us above water. One of them was Dixon Ford in Carlsbad. And all of a sudden, this fucking sales guy from KFMB goes up and tries to undercut us and goes to Dixon Ford and says, hey, come on, KFMB, and we'll figure out something later with Dave and Jeff. So me and Dave get this dude in his studio, and I fucking <laughs> lay into this guy. I'm like, I'm going to break your fucking neck in this fucking room. The guy literally started crying. Yeah. He started crying. Because you're a piece of shit. And you're fucking, you should be fucking That's my livelihood. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you're not fucking leaving here with yeah. as many teeth as you have, you motherfucker. I go, I don't work here. They can't fire me for beating the dog shit out of you like I'm going to beat you down right now. And I think that was the other thing. But... Um, I mean, is is it crazy for you to think, I mean, because one of the things we talked about on this podcast was, is the marketing. And, you know, when we went yeah. up to Scott Ka Kaplan and we talked to, you know, him about his sales force, you know, with the people up there, when people come to sales, people come to Derek and I to pitch, you know, us advertising on the radio. Sure. Everything is different today totally in 2017. Different. Totally it's different. so much fucking different. And, you know, the freedom that you have as a podcast, you know, the, yeah. Dave and, the Dave and Jeff podcast, I mean, listening to you go on and start that Dave and P Jeff podcast, mm -hmm. that was an inspiration for us to start this. Nice. Because when Good. I listened no, sure. to it, I was like, fuck, like, I've been waiting for radio. I want truth. Like, yeah. I want, I, I'm fucking so tired of the filter that I have to see TV through, that I have to see, listen to radio through. I'm so fucking tired of the bullshit. We're, and we're sick of agendas. Like, I, I, right? I don't need anyone exactly. to fucking push an agenda on me. That's, That's it. Sean and I, I'm like, I'm not going to allow any huge sponsor or anything. Like, don't push an agenda. We're just going to have freelance talking, talk to people, yeah. bullshit, and, and give them 100% transparency. And with that, with an organic feel, you can't beat it. We had a we had a podcast the other night with Mike Pomerantz from Fox Sports San Diego. Yeah. People don't realize that on 9-11, uh, Mike was the morning anchor at WCBS Channel 2 in New York. Wow. WCBS was the only TV station that had their antenna on the Empire State Building. Everybody else was on the World Trade uh, Towers, World Trade Center. So when the towers came down, the only local station available was Channel 2. Nobody could get into the city. Mike Pomerantz, who you watch every night with Mark Sweeney, did 11 straight hours that day. And nobody knows that story. And no. I can't tell that story on 1090 because Mike Shepard's a dipshit. Mike Shepard has no sports knowledge. He doesn't understand AM radio. He doesn't understand talk radio. Mike Shepard came from country radio and now all of a sudden he's going to tell me <laughs> right. who grew up in this town how we're doing talk he's going to tell me what my it's my That's, fucking job right. to make Mike Pomeranz interesting to you and Absolutely. I know I can fucking do it yeah. get the fuck out of here yeah when you sit down chef and show me how to do two hour or show Kaplan or Cilio or Darren how to do a 2 hour talk show let me sit here and watch this bullshit fuck him yeah 
And a guy at 1360 is Brian Long. Brian Long has no interest in San Diego. Brian Long came to San Diego because he believed it was going to springboard him to L.A. or to Fox Sports L.A. Guys, I worked for Brian Long for two years at 1360. He never knew the call-in number to the radio station. That's fucking crazy. He would say, you know, when you have Derek and Sean on and you're trying to get calls and you're like 1-800-710-ESPN, and I would always say to him, okay, I'll, I'll give that fucking number out, but that goes to ESPN in L.A. They're not going to know who the fuck Derek and Sean are. Yeah. You know what I fucking mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it to him every time. No. You know, when you got the guy, you know, when you have Kaplan on and you're like, hey, give us a call, 800-710. I go, the fucking guy in L.A. is going to kill me if I keep giving that number out. Right. You know what I fucking mean. How do you not know the phone number? Because you don't care. He wasn't vested. He didn't give a fuck. No. He if you're not, if you're not vested, then it become it it becomes overproduced. Correct. And it becomes when it's overproduced. I mean, we talked uh, with Stacy Poonkinney, who was she was on Restaurant Impossible, and she was also on oh, Food Network yeah, Star. Sure. Food Network Star was it was overproduced. Like they told her how to act totally because they yeah. wanted to create conflict because conflict drives All ratings. And, it's and like, she's, it like, I, she's like, I can fucking, feel it. She's like, I can feel myself not being organic and it's like i know it's gonna come off fucking horrible on tv it's exactly what you're told every day on talk radio that nobody wants to hear Derek and sean get along nobody wants to hear dave and jeff get along no and i would say it's it's point counterpoint right i I, mean you you pretty much have to take a counter opinion but i would say they think that that's how it drives ratings i would say i know this guy so well i think he's a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) and with him sitting in the same room right i'd be like he is the dumbest fucking guy i know believe me it's good (laughs) we may start off on the same page and he's gonna say something and it's gonna be a hundred percent real but if you want us to come in and be like dude what side do you want I'll take the side yeah. that uh, that Dean and John are great. And yeah. it'll be like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's well, have fuck fun. It. Let's do it. And we just got to the point where it's all bullshit. See, that's the thing that people don't want to believe, guys. No. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's all show business because, and, and I understand why. You have to protect the business relationship. Well, I, yeah, you have the sponsor that's been spending this certain spend per year. And absolutely. The person that, you know, the top sales rep, they've, you know, they've cultivated this relationship. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, we have to, we have to protect that. Now, I had good guys. I was lucky. Mattress Firm, which was Sleep Train, treated us incredible. Sleep Train would hook you up with a bed. Every year, the owner would come to San Diego, bring you a bottle of Dom Perignon, and thank you for what you did. I mean, you sure. you mattered to Sleep Train. Yeah, because they made it, even though they were spending money, they cared about you. Without and like, a doubt. And, and that changes the entire relationship. Without a doubt. You know, it's the same way as we're a sponsor with Valley View Casino Center. We're yeah. also a sponsor with the Gulls. Yeah. But we don't view it as, oh, we're spending them no. money. They need to do something for us. It's, it's a We're all in Absolutely. We're fucking all in with the Gulls. We're and, all in with Valley View Casino Center. Yeah. Like, what can we do to help Ernie? And what can we do to help, you know, Matt Savant? Like, yeah. how, how do we help that relationship? And it changes everything. It's well, a... and I'll tell, I'll tell you the other way it changes. And I, I won't say the name of the cigar shop, but we did commercials for a cigar shop where we were literally making about, I swear to God, I think we we're making about nine bucks a read. We weren't making shit. Mm-hmm. But we thought, Sean, along those same lines, that you were family with this guy. So we would go there and we would hang out. We talked about we we would go over the top. And uh, on the day we got blown out, August twelfth, 
of 2016. I was just done. I'd been through a lot. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And the funniest thing that Dave laughs about, think about how many times you guys have probably had to let people go for whatever reason. <laughs> yesterday. <right>? Yesterday. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Right. Yes, so thinking, think in your mind, Derek, how long that went? Because I'm going to ask you the question. We go off the air at 9.58 on Friday, August 12, 2016. At that time, it's me. Hi, it's Chef Dotson. Be here Monday morning. We recap the Charger game. First thing, six. Dave and Jeff on your home of Charger football. Extra, 1360, and my boss walks in the door. And he walks in the door, and he's got a manila folder. And as he's talking, he's like, hey, guys, it's the end. I reach over into my bag, and I pull out my gate card. As he is talking, it's a it's a badge that you wear around your neck. I am wrapping this thing around. I put it here. <laughs> You're going to thro- head- throw it at him again? <laughs> no. My headphones are off. It's in my bag. And I said to him, is that for me, the manila envelope? And he goes, yeah. And I go, great. This is for you. I appreciate it. We had a great time. The show ended at 9.58. I was in my car at 10.03. That's fucking crazy. How long? Did- so I... at. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I was in my car at 10.03. I mean, you you talk about it on your podcast, which, you know, that's why I, I, as a listener, love listening to it because you don't have a filter. You guys are free. You can talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk yeah. about. And you get amazing content. You get amazing stories. You get, I'm so sick and tired of fucking listening to things getting, yeah. like, I'm tired of, I don't even have a, a subscription to the Union Tribune anymore because I can't fucking read it. How many stories I can't do we have it. to read about the guy, the average everyday Joe? I can't Joe, fucking read that's it. Still gonna, who gives a shit about Robert I spent Robert my whole Cortez. life reading that paper, and I can't do it anymore. No. I just can't do it. And it's I'll hard. say this. I got blown out at CBS. I got blown out at Fox Sports Radio. Yeah. I got blown out at KFMB. I'm friends with every one of those guys. Yeah. I thank them for the opportunity. I said it's been an unbelievable run, and I can't tell you how much I... And hopefully down the road we get to see you again. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. So when I, I give shit to Mike Shepard or I give shit to Brian Long, it's because they're dicks. Yeah. And they don't know shit about San Diego or San Diego Sports Radio. And I guarantee you they drive Kaplan nuts. Oh, I mean. Oh, yeah, but we, you, can, you can feel it, too. You, you can yeah, feel that. and I, uh, I haven't talked to Scott in years. But yeah, We talked to Kaplan uh, you know, about, about him. We talked about the Mighty 1090. We talked about there's going to be a point when this shift happens and this yeah. shift is going to be so fucking significant. They should kiss his ass for what he does for they, that radio they station. They should kiss his ass. And they, they spit on him. But it's not only, it's not only the, it's, it's not only the, sure. it's not only the Kaplan's, it's the Jim Trotters, you know, like ESPN right. needs to CS do a Keys. better fucking job. CSK, they need to do a better job of promoting their talent. Yeah. I mean, that's why when I, when I see Jim Trotter puts on a story, I, I want to follow Jim. Cause he's like, family. Yeah. Because he's family and he does a fucking great job as a journalist. Yeah. I want to follow Jim. So how do how do I follow him? How do I follow Jeff? Yeah. But the problem is it's always going to be how do we protect the station? And how yeah. do we protect the sponsors? Well, we were – people freak out because when I got here in 81, my, I have a brother who's four years older. So I was 14. My brother was 18. My brother said to me, look, we got to make a goddamn decision. We're either going to be – Cheering for a team that has Marcus Allen and Howie Long and Lester Hayes and Mike Davis and Matt Millen. Or we're going to cheer for a goddamn team that has Jim Lazovic, Lyndon King, and Hank Bauer. And my brother said, I'm going in with the Raiders. And I think you should, too. And I go, you know what? 
I'm fucking in on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I've been a Raider fan since 1982. I was a Viking fan as a kid. They were 0-4 in Super Bowls. Next thing I know, the fucking Raiders crushed the Redskins. My team wins it. <laughs> uh, I knew I was going to marry my wife because I said on the radio that my favorite player as a kid was a guy named Van McElroy, who was the free safety on that team. I had the Nike poster as a kid, the no-passing poster, and it had Lester Hayes, Mike Davis, Mike Haynes, and Van McElroy. I hope I'm not racist, but I was shocked by the fact there's one fucking white guy. Who is the white guy (laughs) hanging with these dudes? And I love those guys, but McElroy became my favorite player. And I always loved the white Raider jersey. And I said one day on one of our old shows, they used to have a a jersey shop at Fashion Valley, Don Coriel's Pro Shop. For some crazy, unknown reason, they had a white Van McElroy Raider jersey there in my size. And I didn't get it. And I go, I don't know. Why wouldn't I? Like, who the fuck cares about Van McElroy? (laughs) My wife, I was dating her at the time. Our first Christmas together, we go and get a hotel room at the Holiday Inn downtown, the circular one right there that you see. And there's a tube. And I start to undo the tube. And I can tell it's a jersey. And I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) But but I... What jersey? And now it starts going back, and I see it's a Raider jersey. I'm like, oh, God, don't let it be fucking Randy Moss. Please don't let it be Randy Moss. <laughs> and it's a goddamn Van McElroy jersey. There she got go. it. And, and like, I, I just, I knew it. But I I was a Raider fan, and Hank Bauer, that dick, would say all the time to me and Dave, you know, I don't know how we got two Raider fans on the, shut up, Hank. Shut the fuck up, Hank. Stop your bullshit. Because he knew. But, you know, so when I tell you it's all bullshit, take it from me. It's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. Now, I will tell you this. John Spanos treated me great. A.G. Spanos treated me great. Dean treated me great. I had relationships with players. But I saw how they ran things, and I was not a fan of the organization. But I saw what they did to Weddle. I saw what they did to Rodney. I saw what they did to Junior. I saw what they did to Billy Devaney. I saw what they did to other guys, and I just fucking hated it. Yeah. I hated every part of it. But when I'm in a business relationship that bought me a house, by the way. Yes. It bought me a fucking house, so you can call me a cocksucker all you want. It bought me a house that I live in. That you have your wife and your kids in. My like, kids are in. Fu- yeah, exactly. I would do it in the sense that when I went in every day, I would do a show and I would think about my friendship at that time with um, whoever the Clinton Hart, because I loved Clinton Hart or or Weddle or Darren Bennett. And I would do that show because the one thing that I'll tell you guys for a podcast is you're always doing a show for an audience of one. You're not doing it for the guy in London and there's 55,000 people listening to us in Moose Jaw. You're doing a show for one person. And for me, I would always say my audience of one today is Eric Weddle. Or, or it's this, it's not Rodney today. Because if I'm doing it for Rodney, I'm like, this team sucks. <laughs> but I can't do it for Rodney today. Um, and that's what you would do. You would do it for the audience of one. But I had so many conversations with Dean, with Bill Johnston, with age, not so much AG, but AG, other... not so much. No, he was nice. Yeah. A nice kid. He's always been nice to me. They were not my team. Yeah. 
They were in my city. They're my wife's team. They're my kid's team. They were not my team. So it was very easy to me to say to Dean Spanos to his face in a commercial break, what you need to do is get a Mayflower truck here. This was five years ago. I said to him, and bring goddamn TVs to your house, but run it through this parking lot and scare this city awake because nobody is paying attention. Nobody's paying attention. I said, I would run. I said, Dean, if I was you, I'd run a goddamn Mayflower truck through this parking lot every day. And I would call KFMB to be like, why are Mayflower trucks over there? But they never could connect with this city. No, they, they, well, were, I mean, you, you need, they wouldn't go powder blue, just go powder blue. Fuck. Yeah. Don't the jersey, redesign the, the power blue. Thing. But Fuck. a lot of people also see, you know, I have a, a different relationship with the whole thing, but th- people can feel, you know, how, how the owners are treating the players and oh, when, yeah. when those get out and it, it's hard to, to back that. And you hear these stories and I mean, I've seen it firsthand personally and yeah. um, with, with my buddies and it's, it's kind of fucking disgusting, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, I would say, Derek, they, they would argue back that Gates got paid and Rivers got paid and Weddle got paid, mm-hmm. but but there's too many guys that are on the other side of the fence. Rodney, Jr., Weddle, how it ended, where it was LT, how it ended. Yep. Just uh, a disgusting breakup. Marty, right? how it ended. Well, I mean, is it, the, it, I mean, well, Tolbert, too. God, another great dude. dude. Another such gr- a good dude, right? The yeah. guy was in a fucking movie theater and didn't have his phone on him. And then AJ- John Pagano, yeah, finds out on social media. Yeah, uh, I mean, just shit. So that's the thing. It's it's tough. I mean, you know, yeah. And to be in a business, and that that's always the thing with the NFL, right? It's always, oh well, it's a business, and you know that that's just the way that we have to do it. And yeah. it's the same a lot probably in radio right yeah i mean in radio it's like well fuck you're just you're literally a transaction well the funny thing is today this bullshit about the billboards and i appreciate you guys pulled up my twitter <laughs> account today. you know we, we're the most bipolar that's dean spanos reacting to the to the oh, billboard that's fantastic. right there is it's woody harrelson drying his <laughs> so tears it's, with it's at jeff dot seth i said distraught dean spanos reacts to the billboard today <laughs> We're we're so Napoleon. We have such a Napoleon complex in this town. This idea that we celebrate this fucking sign guy it's is the most fucking pet- unbelievable. And here's what's great Jesus. about it, right? The guy buys the fucking billboard on the southbound 405. <laughs> Dean's coming from La Jolla, dumb get the shit. Fuck out of here! You're no not going to see it. Is that the most charger thing yes, ever? Total charger thing. And to then do. people are like, "Well, you know, he's going to hear about." Him. He doesn't. You think he's going home to watch Carlo Chiquetto? He couldn't give less of a shit. We were actually talking to Jim Trotter about that today. It's yeah, like he's getting all this uh, shit from you know his what was it his Twitter? Yeah, that he had a bunch of bunch oh, of bull, a, bunch of bullshit on Twitter. Yeah, yeah sure. and, and he's like, look, I don't. I don't care what you're saying to me, guys. It's not, I don't not, care what your opinion I'm, I'm, is. No, not, not, uh, it doesn't affect me. This is what I tell people on social media all the time because my favorite thing to do is start shit with guys like Nick Cannon. <laughs> I love kicking Nick right in Cannibal the balls. Is fantastic. But I can kick Nick in the balls because Nick and I have been friends for 25 years. Yes. Trotter and I have been friends for 20 years. Hank Power and I, 25 years. At no point. Have we ever said in that 25-year friendship, you know, we would really like uh, 
Dave Fan Five to to jump into this conversation because we're fucking drowning, here, <laughs> right? But somebody help us out. Somebody bailed me and Nick out. That's because, so funny because of two fucking smartasses, right? That are uh, it's resp- a, it's essential. Twenty five years different in age. I fucking love that guy. He's the dumbest guy in the world, and I love Nick. You're, you're public. Friends. You're publicly texting. Essentially, yes. is what you're doing. You know, when I talk Just to friends that aren't on, on Twitter, they're like, "I don't know what the fuck Twitter's about." I'm like, "You're you're publicly ch- texting." Yeah. But if I'm texting one of my friends, I'm talking shit, and I know yeah. exactly they know who I am. Yeah. They know the context behind yes. the tweet. Like, I don't need a, a third opinion from what the fuck you you know whoever you are. Now there are certain guys that we interact with that are really really funny and then get it. <laughs> and so today when I ripped uh the sign guy thing, this dude that we follow who's drunk Flannery. He's been drunk Flannery <laughs> for like 3 years. He said to me he goes uh well won't he see it going home? And I said, "No, you dumb shit." <laughs> I go it's up north of the stadium. He drives to the stadium. He turns around and goes, goes home. home. He doesn't see it. And I said, I expect stupid shit all day, but not out of you. <laughs> and he wrote back, okay, I'm not good with geography. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm just dying. That's awesome. Because you go, okay, here's a guy that gets it. Sure. Right. Where I'm like, you dumb shit. Well, it's, I mean, but, it's like us giving CS shit. You know, exactly. I, I love CS. Exactly. CS is a, he's a brother to us. I mean, he it, we're, we're a fight night crew because of Twitter. That's yeah. how you were on the show. You had, you yes. had Jim Trotter on your show. Yeah. You were talking about the autobiography of Junior Seau. Yeah. You were talking about how you guys used to go and you and CS and yeah. Dave and you guys would go and enjoy fight night at Seau's. Yeah. And like, that's what you and I'm sitting listening to it. And I sent out a tweet because you had already you had already seen that we were showing the fight. Yeah. And I was like, hey, if you guys want. You're more the than best. welcome. Let's get a table set up and let's have fight night. That started a friendship that, you know, now I spend time with Jim Trotter, you know, <laughs> like family. All right. So I wrote, okay, Dave Palais, help me out. Aren't the signs on the southbound 405? Doesn't Dino still live in La Jolla? He'll never see him. To which my man, Drunk Flannery, wrote, is he going to drive back home? And I said, it's north of the stadium. <laughs> Damn it, DF. I expect stupid shit like this, but not from you. And he wrote, sorry, I'm not up on my L.A. geography. I won't disappoint you again, which just strikes me so great. No, it's, it's fucking like, fantastic. Um, yeah. But if you go back and look at one other thing and why I should really be here. God damn it, guys. I cleaned up my Weber spirit. Right? You did. He, he sent nice. out a tweet. He cleaned up his Weber spirit. If you go back and find, I love my Weber grill. Yes. I hope we could get some time to talk. Absolutely. Barbecue. We can Fuck definitely. Yeah, we can do it right now. All right. So let's go. For me, there she is. There it is. There she is. Okay, now I'll tell you how hardcore I got the other. So the day. one thing you do need that's not in this photo is grill grates. That's we'll what get, you keep telling I'm me. I'm not we'll fucking around. Yeah, we're not fucking around with grill grates. You're the best. Seriously, though. Birthday the, tomorrow. That's Pick the boom yeah. done. So okay, so here's how hardcore I went on my on my Weber Spirit. Which, by the way, I'll say this to anybody who's a single guy. When you are marrying somebody, you are marrying the family. That was a gift to me from my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. That's really? how fucking great they are. And awesome. it's the second grill they bought me uh, in That's my fantastic. 12 years together with my wife. That's how... So you want to know something? My yeah. my father-in-law, who just I left yesterday back to Bulgaria, oh. him and I built a Weber Spirit oh. on our fucking balcony because... Well, why... Why? Why couldn't well, you? Do that? Well, first, first we <laughs> built first first we built a, a Weber charcoal grill. 
Dude. And the charcoal grill, we smoked out the HOA, and they sent us a fucking. <laughs> they sent me a letter saying, "Hey, you can't have a fucking charcoal grill." Oh, sh- come like, on, dude. What is there a better so we built smell two, in the world? No, so we built. Smell in the world. So we built oh, two. We not. built two barbecues, and the second one was actually a Weber Spirit. He doesn't speak a word of English. I don't speak any Bulgarian. But we went through that fucking oh, manual. God we damn, built that I goddamn thing. That, we built that fucking thing ourselves, and it was fantastic. All right, I went. So I, I not only cleaned. Everything inside, but I went down below. I cleaned the catch pan there yesterday. Yeah. The the foil comes out, but you forget that it's a flimsy little foil foil catch pan which drops below. And my son is like, "What is going on there?" He's like, "Is that mud?" <laughs> we spit shine that thing. There you go. My spirit is buffed out. I love we'll it. We'll get those grill grates on there, and you're gonna fucking. No, I'm telling you, I don't know if there's a better grill. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. Um, than Weber's, w- yeah, what they do, totally agree. the the Weber Smoky Mountain for like a smoker. Yeah. Um, you know, not the most expensive, not the most commercial, but puts out some of the best barbecue you can ever have. Now you can't these see, little spirits. They're they're phenomenal. You can't see, but directly behind my spirit, I should have. Goddamn, I'm not even thinking. You can see my backup propane tank there to the left. I like it. So I'm good to go. My my other motorcycle seat, but directly behind my spirit. My wife bought me the tabletop Weber charcoal grill. Yeah. If we go charcoal. Yep. So it's the tabletop Boom. one Done. that you're set by. How's your HOA with charcoal? Uh, they're, you know, for as much <laughs> shit as they bitch about, they, and I fire that baby up, man. Good. That Weber goes, and it, you can smell it everywhere. And nobody, nobody complains, but I, I love it, man. I started um, grilling probably in high school. And I was telling you, I mean, that was the day when it was charcoal and, you know, you start with burgers and then you start to experiment. And Derek, maybe you remember this. I said this to Sean the other day and he looked at me like I was insane. (laughs) But I bought this thing and I swear to God, I probably bought it at Rite Aid. But it was one of those late night TV commercials. And it was a three three part uh, tin thing that came together and it was like a ring. It looked like if you took the Stanley Cup. And flipped it up. No, it wasn't for charcoal. You would put these three rings in, and it had a grill. It's so funny. You would load up the bottom with newspaper. You would load up the bottom. Think about how much goddamn chemicals we cooked in, right? (laughs) Right. But you would get like a Sunday paper. You put Kevin Acey's articles in there? God, Yeah, I hated it. But but you would burn newspaper in the bottom of this thing, and it would fire up, and it had a little grill. We would do shit like that. But then you start to experiment. And we started to experiment with brats and where you would. Right. And you figured out, you said, okay, for me, like we love hot link sausages. So we'll, I'll just take a, I'll take an old school, old Milwaukee. My kids are always watching. They're like, what are you doing? I go, you know what? It's just experiment. <laughs> and I'll take a, I'll just take a stovetop, right? And we'll take a, a saute pan and I'll take a 24 ounce tall boy, old Milwaukee. It goes in and I throw my links in there. Because they turn white, yeah. and as soon as they turn white, then I keep them in there by another five, six minutes. I just keep them moving, rotating them around, and then I bring them out onto the grill. I swear to God, I feel like a guy in a garage band telling Keith Moon how to play drums, <laughs> but it's the dumbest thing ever. But this is just what I love it, and we would I take mean, the, the it, be- and it crackles, the best, and it goes, and they're The just- best part about barbecue is all you have to do is try. Like, all you have to do well, is try. But I'll tell Seriously, you. Seriously, you just have to fucking try. You, you got to turn on the grill. You, and you don't even have to fucking try. You just got to g- try it. You know, go but, out and eat it. But here's where things change, Sean. Where things change is when you get married. 
Yes. Because when you're a single guy and yes. you can throw the broad on and you throw the burger on and goddamn, you know, that's a little bit more medium rare than I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck it. We'll just get another beer. But now your wife's like, oh, hey, you got this nice grill. I'm going to go out to Valley Market. I'm going to find some ribeyes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, what, what'd that run you? Well, it was incredibly affordable at Valley Market. Right. But it cost you here. Goddamn, dude, that's some pressure on you. Right. Now, now you got a little pressure on you. And there's not a, I say this to Pele all the time. I go, there's not a bigger bullshit line than when you're trying to determine, okay, I like it medium or I like it medium well. This bullshit with the thumb and the wrist, I'm like, you're asking me to put my thumb on a hot grill, on yes. meat on a hot grill, yeah. because part of my arm is going to get burned. Screw you. So <laughs> yeah. what I determined was my best friend, if I'm cooking steaks on my grill, is the stopwatch feature on my phone. Yep. And I'm 7:30 and I'm 7:30 and it's a one flip and it's it's a one it's a little bit of Lowry's, it's a little bit of and That's uh, for a medium. Yep. Yep. That's where we go and they come off. This guy it, makes the best fucking steak in I the world. I guarantee you dude, I could tell right now. But I just I foil tent it and I foil tent it for about 5 minutes and uh and our other thing that we do is we just get fresh corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. We put two big wedges of butter in the foil with it. We salt and pepper it up. We tie them up. We put them on that grill, and then we probably do that for about 15 minutes, and then we'll pull them off and just rotate them, just the straight corn. Telling you guys, man, it's just for me, for my wife, and my two dork kids. It works. Sean, I have no future working at Cali Comfort. I could work here at Valley. But my buddy Palais has a gorgeous grill, and he's terrified of it. It's like having a we're motorcycle gonna, that you're da- scared to ride. Da- we're going to get Dave the proper... proper no, we'll, uh, we'll, go, we'll go hook him up, for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, he just doesn't say, want to screw it up. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll say seven and a half and seven and a half because the way we were taught, it was eight and six. Oh, so like nice. Like you're 86? Yeah. You're yeah. done. So you're so cut you're, off. You're, for a medium. Medium, medium rare. Okay, now I got but, a wife who's a little bit more. Yeah, that's why you said seven medium. and a half, seven and a half. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit longer, so you're probably closer to medium. Yeah, because yeah. she's more to the medium, and that's the thing, man. When you're cooking it, my wife's really chill, but she she's getting different now. Like if you go to Ruth's Chris, or if mm-hmm. we come out to Cali and she's getting a burger, I've always told her. I said, you know, the more well done you get the more you're defeating the purpose of having yeah, a burger sure. and, and having a really good steak. You're just defeating the, pur- not like defeating it by putting a one on it, but, but, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, you can't put a one on a, on a, no. on a super steak. You no. just can't do that. But, um, but that's it. You want it to be right for her because there's nothing more heartbreaking than when somebody says, Hey, can we put this back on the grill for a few minutes? Because it's been under the foil tent, man. I'm like, shit, I can't, I can't, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Right, right. But yeah. other things we. Before we wrap up, I have to, we would be very remiss not to get some boxing information oh, from you. From absolutely. Canelo and Triple G. What's I'm sorry? Give, give us a breakdown. All what, right. What's let happening? me come back because I, I, I want to learn how to. Fight Night is something that we talk about, you know, as a you sports entertainment restaurant. We decide to do fight night and we, you know, I brought all of our lawsuits because we've been sued for illegally showing the fights. Come on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We almost went out of business actually in 2009 because we got sued three times for basically thinking that no one would give a fuck that we were playing the, you know, getting the residential feed. So when people, when, when people ask, well, why are you charging $35 for the McGregor Mayweather fight? And it's, well, it's costing us a shitload of money. 
multiply that by our occupancy and that that's what it's costing us to host this fight i'll, I'll just say this uh my background is i covered 75 world title fights i loved it so much i became a licensed judge for usa boxing and i've judged how did you how, how does that take how long does that take? um just filled out an application and background check make sure i wasn't nice. uncle pervy and then i've done uh <laughs> i've done about you passed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did when I left. I did it for just under three years, and I have over three hundred amateur fights that I judge. Wow, that's so and my my rate, my success rate was at about ninety four percent, meaning the guy that I judge for the fight won the wow. fight. Um, which is funny too, because the way I judged the Mayweather fight, um, where I had Mayweather winning the first four, Floyd coming back winning five, six, seven. I gave eight to Connor, nine and ten to Floyd. A uh, guy that I like a lot, Dave Meltzer, who writes an MMA newsletter, said of 25 guys polled, 19 of them had it the exact way that I had it. So really? I was pretty stoked wow. when I saw that. Um, so here's what I'll tell you about this fight. Did you think it was fucked up, the other judges? Their score yeah, scores? it was ridiculous. Dude, it's was embarrassing. Insane. It, totally embarrassing. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. They gave I, him one round? No, bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. Bullshit. Um, and so if you follow me on Twitter... I. I'm hoping that, that that's one of the best things is we'll be there at watching, Cali. watching you work on, on fight night because you're actually scoring I'm judging it as it. you would. Yeah. And I lay it out there and we, we, we've been okay. Absolutely. Here's what I'll tell you. A lot of people are making the comparison that this fight Saturday night is going to be really, really fun, but I think they're making the wrong comparison. People keep saying Hagler Hearns. I don't believe it's Hagler Hearns. I believe much more that it's Hearns Leonard because my feeling is if I'm Canelo's trainer, there's no way I'm going to let Canelo go in there and try to trade bombs with Triple G and, and take a chance. I think Canelo is going to go in and try to outbox him. I think he's going to try to counterpunch him. And I think he may hope that Triple G slows down in the later rounds. I don't know that he does. But my feeling is Triple G is going to be the guy looking for home runs. And Canelo is going to be looking for Triple G to make a mistake that he can take advantage of and just rack up points and try to get out of there with a 115-112 win. I would highly emphasize, if it's not Hagler-Hearns, which was three rounds of, I'm going to try to take your head off, and you're trying to take my head off. Right. I think Triple G loves that approach. Triple G's like, dude, I let's... Wins if that, if that's what I agree wins. with you completely, Derek. I think, mm -hmm. I think Triple G's like, let's go right to the center of the ring, and let's see what you got, and I'll see what I got. I did two and a half years covering MMA for Dan Henderson. I met a guy named Scott Coker who now runs Bellator. I'll yep. never forget what Scott Coker told me the first day I met him. He said, Jeff, here's something you need to know about MMA. You're new to the business. In this industry, it's better to lose a great fight than win a boring fight. And Triple G buys into that. Triple G is like, yeah. fuck it, let's go. That's why you see guys like Clay Guida sure. on so many UFC cards. He's still there. Dude, long hair, there. and he's going to be winning. He's going to go. And nobody's going to care if Clay Guida gets knocked out at the end because you're just going to go, God damn, I love the carpenter. Right. He's right. in every fight. But you watch other guys, uh, John Fitch, and you're like, he sucks. Stop yeah. putting this guy on guards. He sucks. Yeah. What do you, what do and you I think? love Fitch just because I'm a wrestler, but. Yeah, I, I get it. It's boring as fuck. Yeah, watch it. My boy Hendo. That's yeah. why I worked with Dan. And if, if Dan, Dan got beat, he uh, people still loved him because yeah. it was fun while it lasted. I'm, I think. I'm, go I'm ahead. Fascinated at what you think the current state of UFC and boxing is. I think after, UFC, after what just happened and where we are today. Yeah, what, what you, does UFC? Have I think to UFC do? is in trouble. Yeah, because I think UFC oversaturated when they got the Fox deal. When they got the Fox deal, we were doing an MMA radio show. Me and Stephen Quadros. 
And I raised the point on that day. I said, are you oversaturating the market? Because what you're doing by putting 52 shows on a year, you've lost the must-see element to the UFC. I don't need to see this fight on Saturday night. They have Luke Rockhold fighting David Branch, which is a great fight, for Huge. free yeah. on yeah. Saturday night. And it's up against Canelo and Triple G. It's, it's going to be completely ridiculous. lost. But then the other night, they got uh, Ray Borg and Demetrius Johnson. You can't put Rockhold. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Sean. They've oversaturated the market. And Borg pulled out. And when Borg pulls out and you're stuck with Amanda Nunez in the main event, <laughs> right. where you don't go, you go, shit, I, I, if I'm Cali Comfort, I'm not buying that. But if Rockhold's on there, you go, all right, I don't know much about David Branch, but he's been in fun fights. And I know Rockhold's always fun. They, they've oversaturated the market, and I think, too, a lot of it is it may not be the cool thing anymore. Yeah. The cool kids kind of look at it, and it was really, really badass we, for a while. We've talked about it. The only reason that we show fights, I mean, we the first UFC fight that we, sh- we showed at Cali Comfort was UFC 100. Oh, yeah. Know, when Hendo knocked then, out Mike Bisping. Absolutely. Absolutely. And since then, before, we were on a run. I mean, fuck, we probably had, did 50 in a row. Yeah. guaranteed that that we would show them and then all of a sudden we realized that exactly what you said fox they made their deal and we decided hey we can't have a fight that we no. pay you know close to fifteen hundred dollars to pay, to host yeah. this fight and we only get half the restaurant full i would gotta be fucking pack the restaurant i wouldn't be shocked if somewhere down the line they do the business plan that the wwe did and what the wwe did was they pulled all of their products off of pay-per-view you pay nine ninety nine a month. You get what is called the WWE Network. They do original programming, but all of their shows, whether it's SummerSlam or WrestleMania, well, they have a Fight Pass right now, right? They have Fight Pass, but I, I wouldn't be shocked, Eric, to see everything just go there and yeah. eliminate the middleman, eliminate Directv yeah. and Spectrum, and just say, "Hey, come be here. Give us ten bucks. We make all the dough, and see if that's that not sense. the way." I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine. I don't buy every pay per view, but I'd, yeah. I'd pay ten bucks a month. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. never look at it. Yeah. That's the thing. You you just and then like we'd, have an a com- we'd have a commercial yeah. tier for the restaurant, and, yeah. and then all we of, would pay that. Yeah, and all of a sudden they go, okay, Derek, you paid a hundred and twenty. We got a hundred and twenty out of you. All right, you probably buy a handful of pay per views, but if we got a hundred and twenty out of Corey and a hundred and twenty out of Jeff that don't buy a lot of pay per views yeah. or go to Cali, well, that, it starts I mean, to that, add up, and I don't have to split my dough. with Directv and Dish Network and everybody else. And if they came up with a flex pricing model. Yeah. for commercial businesses yeah kind of the same way that you know finally the fucking sure. nfl is deciding yeah. that hey you know a preseason game shouldn't be the same price as a sunday night football game yeah. um you know reward the people that are actually paying for it yeah for all the fights well now connor's done for 2016 john jones gets busted again for peds dude what a fucking right i just can't believe that so now you, the sample B came out too, and it's yeah, positive. positive. It's like fuck. Dude. So now Cormier gets the belt back, and while you look at it, you go, okay, he lost to a guy who's on PEDs. There's still the average casual fan that's like, dude, that's a guy who got the shit beat out of him by John Jones. One hundred percent. Yeah. And you go, Stipe Miocic is the heavyweight champion, and people are like, excuse me, what'd right. you just fucking say? Yeah. And he's a fucking murderer. Uh, exactly. And, and people don't even know who he is. No. And there's a guy fighting this weekend, Mike Pyle, who just, or uh, not Mike Pyle, Mike Perry is a guy fighting. It takes guys' heads off. Yeah. You, know, you one out of ten people will see it because we're watching Triple G and Canelo. Boxing yeah. will always be around. Because you're going to find these fights. It may be two years in between, but you'll find it. But when, but when they hit, 
like because we marketed ourselves as a as a fight night destination. Yeah. I mean, we just when we went down to go see Gene and to bring you know barbecue down to Sharp to feed the nurses. Yeah, we were talking to the nurses. One nurse. She never been to the restaurant. She's like Cali Comfort. Oh, you guys the are the, you, you guys you guys are the place that shows the fights. Love it. She's never been there. You're the best fight like, bar because, in San Diego because we made ourselves a destination and we paid those those prices. It becomes a great place, and there's nothing like the an electric. Vibe. There's nothing like, like an electric. There's nothing like an electric fight night. No, I love when it. When the fucking and place is packed, I mean, there's nothing like it. Here's the final word for, in my opinion. I'm not sure. I grew up loving Mexican fighters. I couldn't be more of a white guy, but the guys that <laughs> I loved as a kid were Salvador Sanchez, Tweety Davila, Bobby Chacon, the, Carlos Zarate. These were the guys that I fucking loved. Uh, uh, a mind blank in the guy, uh, Pepino Cuevas. Guys that just came out to take your head off. I don't know that Canelo has that gene. I don't know. I think Canelo maybe after beat, losing the way he lost to Mayweather as a younger fighter, I'm not 100% convinced that Bobby Chacon did not give a shit. We yeah. are going to fight. And if you knock me out, fuck you. I'll fight you again after I wake up, and then I'll fight you again. <laughs> right. I'll fight you again. Yeah. I'm not convinced that Canelo has that gene. Well, if he uh, has that gene and he shows it, it'll be one fucking hell of a I fight. Still, but don't get me wrong, Sean. I, I don't think it's going to be a bad fight. I think it's going to be a really, really fun fight. But it may be more of a style fight than people are expecting. I heard De La Hoya saying this thing's going to be an all-out war. Yeah, De La it's Hoya. Gonna be, it's going to be nine rounds and it's going to yeah. be an all-out war. He's, he's, he's just so far behind the eight ball. But him. I'll, I'll tell mean, you this. There was there is a dude that probably doesn't get enough credit. When yeah. you look at what De La Hoya did. Oh, for boxing. Goddamn, sure. right? Yeah. He fought everybody. I Corte. He went out and fought Trinidad. He, he was fought like, Mosley. He was like McGregor. Fought Hopkins. Put him in yeah. front of me. Yeah. Put him in front of me. I'll fight him. Uh, Fernando Vargas. Dude, He uh, the Ruelas brothers. He fought every... And Oscar, even though he loves those fishnets, man. <laughs> goddamn. Oscar had that thing that I'm talking about with Bobby Chacon <laughs> yep. and Salvador Sanchez and the rest, Pepino Cuevas, where it was like, fuck you. Right. Let's go see who's going to be the mano y mano. Duran, you know, a different kind of style. But uh, I'll take Triple G. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. But I would just say temper expectations of Hagler Hearns. I would say I see more Hearns Leonard, which was a fantastic fight. Yeah. And, and, but it went 15 rounds and Ray Leonard won it in the later rounds. He wouldn't have won if it went 12. That's my pick on. I can't wait to be a Cali Comfort with my boy Dave well, we, Ballet. Uh, yeah, Celebrating Dave, birthday Dave, weekend, Mexican yeah, Independence that's right. weekend. That's right. That's a, that's a big. You know how we do it in San Diego. We like, we like to celebrate. Um, uh, seriously, it's been fucking awesome. Thank to, you guys to really so much. Spend, spend some Definitely time with you. Anytime you, so you need me. Yeah, it's been. I gotta uh, learn how to cook shark on the grill. We're so. gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you some some pointers. We're uh, we're gonna be planning a, a cooking class too. That oh, we'll have we'll have some seats for you and uh, you and Dave. It'll Dave it'll be later. But we'll anybody anybody that's uh, in San Diego, make it out for fight night. Um, come say what's up to Jeff. Follow Jeff Seth on Twitter. Um, also download their podcast, Dave and Jeff Podcast. Uh, it's it's the reason one of, it's one of the one of the reasons we started this podcast. Uh, nothing, nothing but truth and lots of fucking hilarious stories, um, which is what makes po- podcasting so great. I've been in a lot of rooms, boys, doing radio shows. Congrats on this. This is really cool. I Thank like you. it, man. Thank it looks you. good. Yeah. Thank you. I like that well, Kansas State Bill Snyder flag. Well, there you nothing go. wrong with that. For, uh, for, some, for somebody that's been in the business um, booking 
booking Low huge guests tickets, as well as huh? what's up? Goddamn Ernie Hunt. Oh fuck, Ernie Hunt. Right. Oh my god. Me. That's you, a team, oh boys. yeah, blowjobs for tickets. We're working on that marketing part. <laughs> But yeah, th- thanks for following us. Uh, tweeted us anytime. Uh, hit us up. Uh, we got stickers and we want to see you guys. Uh, barbecue festivals coming up. We're going to get those, uh, sign up forms. Amateur barbecue contest, November 5th, SVBBQ Fest. Do not miss it. Be there. Um, and we'll catch you guys, uh, next time. Mm-hmm.